Did the Toronto police miss evidence at the scene of the Honey and Barry Sherman murders? Kevin Donovan of The Star, who has been breaking stories on this case since day one, is uh, reporting that the private investigation team hired by the family have uh, handed over a bag filled with fibers that were vacuumed up in the area of the pool where the bodies were found, and also an earring that had been found by a reporter outside the home. And these were handed over to the police after they warned the team that they would get a warrant if evidence wasn't handed over. So we've got two competing interests here trying to solve one of the country's highest-profiled murders, and I get why the family's doing this. They've got the means, they got the desperation, and they certainly got the grief to drive uh, their ambition of solving their parents' murders. But having two separate investigations is clearly becoming a war of competing interests. And in the end, is it not just undermining the system in place, not to mention the case itself? Let's bring in Dave Perry to this conversation because we've been talking about this case. Good to have you, sir. Always a pleasure. What do you uh, take of the latest information? You've got the private investigation team that has been asked by the Toronto police, hand over whatever you've got, and it's almost becoming this game of, okay, we've got it because you didn't find it. But again, we don't even know if they've found anything. No, we don't. And I don't know, it's starting to take on a bit of a circus atmosphere as far as I can see. And uh, I don't think it's doing the overall investigation um, any good whatsoever. I think it's going to complicate things and, and cause the police investigation more issues should they make an arrest than, than not. There may have been uh, communication errors in the beginning that led to the doubt of if it was a murder-suicide or a, a double murder. That That's all fair um, and, and can be critiqued uh, for another day. But what I don't think the Toronto police would have done, and you can speak to this more than I could, is secure a scene and then not make sure that every section of that property uh, were investigated. What are your thoughts on that? Like, the insinuation here by the private investigation team is that, oh, the police were so careless, they didn't even bother to get, you know, evidence that was, you know, missed. Is that possible? Well, anything's possible, but I certainly wouldn't take a news report on its face value on this particular issue. Um, The police were in there for weeks and weeks, forensic teams walking in out of there using their absolute best and I've worked with a lot of those people and they are truly amazing at what they do um, you know you can only assume by that all that time that they've done what I've seen in homicide cases where they've examined every square inch of that house mm-hmm. and that includes all the things that we've heard about in the in the news report about the missing this and missing that and who knows what they have we in uh, crime scene investigation see things all the time we don't necessarily call them evidence, but we, we seize it. If it's there, we seize it. And uh, as you sift through all of that in the weeks and months that follow, um, you try and determine what, what value it is that you have. You could have a bunch of garbage. The earring, for example, mm-hmm. that potentially could be evidence, but it could be just what it is. It's just an earring that was in a drain that has nothing to do with the crime scene or anybody that came to the crime scene. And who knows when it was there and who knows if the police uh, even had an opportunity to see it, all of these kinds of things. And, and uh, now that they have it, well, they can determine if it, if it really ties to the crime scene and possibly to the people that uh, committed the murder. What do you think would be going on behind the scenes with the Toronto police? I mean, there has to be absolute frustration at this point that this is turning into such a public back and forth on, on such a high-profile issue. High-profile cases are difficult enough. <clears throat> Let's just say that the intensity 
um, in in what we call a project room on a high profile case uh, goes up at least tenfold. Mm-hmm. And and that's without everything that we're hearing about with a, a private team who is doing a parallel investigation and, and holding press conferences and offering rewards that aren't necessarily in timing with what the police would like to do. And, and, never, and never in timing with what the media wants, because you know as a homicide detective, you can never give reporters enough information. So you always know you're being watched and waited for. Yeah, it's a, it's a fine line. I mean, you, you protect the integrity of your case. If you're really good at what you do, you you talk to the media regularly and at least give them what you can give them. And even if it is that we can't give you much right now, it, it certainly never hurts to give the media and therefore the public some kind of an update. Um, but to, to have somebody else doing that for you and, and to do it in in a way that it made national news and... Uh, and now you're you're sort of forced in a position where you're accepting what may be evidence and maybe nothing. Um, you know, it's it's the same thing, Alex. When you start uh, considering putting out a description or you, you're considering putting out a composite drawing, there's good and bad that comes with those kinds of processes and exercises. And the good is, yeah, you might get lucky and you'll you'll gather some evidence that will help you move the case forward. The bad is, you could get literally thousands of bad tips that mm-hmm. you still have to work on and follow up and you're bogged down in all of that kind of work when you should really be focused on what the team, if you will, and what the lead investigators are thinking they need to focus on. And there is a there is a, a strategy to homicide investigations. There there are definitive processes following the major case management model. And uh, I've taught the major case management model and used it a hundred times and I've I've never seen anything in there where it talks about that you've got to do a parallel with a private team. So um, that, that I just find it all very difficult to, to accept as something that's going to do any real good to the case at this point. Yeah, because if I'm a defense lawyer, and I'm not, uh, I'm looking at this case, and if there's an arrest made and I'm taking this case to trial, I'm looking at the way the investigation was conducted, and I'm saying, yeah, we can't put that in. That's not admissible because, well, that was touched by the private investigator. I mean, the case has been compromised. So right. it becomes problematic, uh, I think, when, when the evidence has been passed back and forth and when you've got two competing sides. Am I right? Oh, you're absolutely right. And all of what you just talked about is all going to be explored and I would say used. And I wouldn't blame a defense team. It's it's like, the, you know, if, if somebody, for example, knew they were going to represent the persons responsible for these murders, they would sitting be sitting back and gathering all of the news clippings and, and just rubbing their hands together with all the ammunition that's being handed to them to you know, to distract and to defend the case. And, mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be about that. That's that's why homicide is such a special area. And any, any major investigation is very specialized because you have to do it right. You have to make sure that you don't, even as a police officer, you don't contaminate evidence. You mm-hmm. don't speak to people a certain way so you don't contaminate their minds. And all of those issues being challenged in court can can literally uh, derail a really good case and yeah. could potentially get the person who's responsible cleared because of all of these you know, all of these wedges that are put between what is real and, and what is perceived. 
Yeah, I mean, there's nothing more frustrating in a case when, than watching what you know is real evidence that is very damning to see that not be put in. Um, and, and you know in your mind that that would probably put the person away. There's nothing more frustrating than see that be, you know, excused because of whatever, whatever technicality um, it falls under. I, I do feel for the Sherman family, though, because it's easy to vilify them because they've got money. I don't blame them for wanting to solve this. I, I just don't. Oh, absolutely um, not. And in many ways, I just feel like they're being, they're in many, in some ways, I feel like they're being almost used and they've become just, uh, you know, uh, almost a, a pawn in this thing. Yeah, I mean, that's hard to say because we don't know what direction they're they're giving to this team. Mm-hmm. So I, I say out of respect for both sides of this that, of course, I understand exactly why they would want to do what they're doing. And, and um, yes, if they have the resources, then then absolutely. And, you know, I, I mean, I own a private investigative firm as well, and, and quite often, my ability to do work for people depends on their ability to have resources to to pay for that. So, and it's a sad uh, comment on reality, but it's it is reality. But the the other the other point here is that there should should be somebody that's guiding them that, you know, make sure that whatever decisions they're making <clears throat> has the uh, the best interest in the final outcome, which is to catch the people responsible, not to contaminate the investigation, not to be out front and critical of the police at this particular time there there is a time for that and i'm not saying that uh, on any investigation that if somebody has a critical eye post investigation that they won't find errors it's that's that's the whole complexity of complicated investigations uh, it's a human factor and there are errors made I, I can't say that i've ever done an investigation where i could say go through it uh, have a team of experts go through it you won't find a single mistake yeah and, and a, lot of, a lot of police work is gut work, and you know that, right? Yeah, for sure. And Greenspan, I mean, he's he's a pretty seasoned guy. He's no dummy. He knows how the law works, and he knows how the media works. So he he he's not dumb. He's not. I don't think he's going to drop the ball in this thing because uh, he's got a lot of experience. He's a very experienced, extremely well-respected lawyer. Probably considered one of the top lawyers in the city. That being said, I strongly disagree with his approach. Mm-hmm on conducting this parallel investigation, saying that he wants to work cooperatively with the police and, and in fact, doing just the opposite, you know, holding back evidence until what I read, there was some lawyers uh, communicating back and forth and the threat of production orders and all of these kinds of things. And, you know, demanding cooperation and stating Australian research about the findings of that, that's not what any research is talking about. There are amazing ways for the private sector to work in partnership with the police in many aspects, including criminal investigations. But those things, as you and I have talked about before, have to be clearly defined. There has to be memorandums of understanding. There has to be policies and procedures. And the bottom line is the police are in charge. Uh, You know, I, I work with all kinds of cases that eventually I go to the police and and discuss my findings or whatever, but there's due process. They Mm -hmm. get to do what they do. They they are under no obligation to share anything with me as a private citizen, and I understand that that role. But if if I find something that I think could assist in their investigation on the other side of the fence, I'm always more than cooperative and happy to do that, and I think that's what should be happening here. Yeah, yeah. Put the case, uh, put the case first, and the family put first, the and then egos. Yeah, egos behind. All right, we'll leave it there, Dave. Thanks so much. I appreciate you uh, giving up your Friday. Anytime, Alex. Cheers. That is uh, Dave Perry joining us. So we'll see what else comes out. But yeah, it's a real tit for tat right now in this case, and it's not very attractive. I got to be honest. You're on point. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.